The Investigator's Toolbox is here. Are you a licensed investigator, an investigative or security professional? How would you like to gain work-based skills, be more productive, and grow your business? Well, welcome to the investigatorstoolbox.com. Check out this industry-changing website that's pioneering into the future today. You can network with other investigators in our forums. You can take a webinar, check out a blog, or read an article to brush up on your skills. You can visit our vast resource catalog of research websites and bookmark them in your own private library. Everybody's talking about the Investigator's Toolbox. This really is the future of networking, learning, and resource management. Check this out. For a limited time, we're offering a legacy discount for new members. If you sign up early, we'll save you 25%. Take advantage of exclusive discounts from site partners like Crosstracks, Delfpoint, PI Magazine, Hetherington Group, ScopeNow, Paraben, and so many more. Just visit the website investigators-toolbox.com and check out the demo video in the Who We Are section. Can you afford 41 cents a day? If the answer is yes, then don't delay. Join the community. Investigatorstoolbox.com. These discounts won't last. That's www.investigators-toolbox.com. Thanks for tuning in to today's show. Today we have the husband and wife duo of Karen and Dean Beers. They specialize in death investigations. Today, we're going to take a look at what it takes to do this kind of work. Karen and Dean also have served or are serving on the boards of various nationwide associations. Now let's catch up with our guests as we visit good old Colorado one more time. Please welcome Karen, Dean, and your host, private investigator Matt Spare. And welcome everybody to this week's episode of PI Perspectives. Today, we're going to try something new. Uh, it's the first time we're actually having a, uh, a husband and wife uh, duo as guests today. So uh, I reached out to Dean Beers and Karen Beers. I've known them for quite some time through uh, NCISS. And uh, one thing we haven't talked about on the show yet, really, is death investigations. And I thought these guys would be great uh, to bring light to it. So I want to welcome Dean and Karen to the program. How are you guys? We're good. Thanks. And thanks for having us on. This will be pretty exciting for everybody. We always appreciate it. Tell me a little bit about your guys' background. You're, you're in Colorado. Tell me exactly how you guys got into the business and uh, what are you doing these days? The real short of it is I, I've been in business since 1987. Uh, I did some, some of your general legal investigations and things like that. And then Karen joined in 96 because of a motor vehicle collision that was actually 20 years ago. After that, I had to find something different to do because I couldn't do business as administratively and also do the work needed. I, I just wasn't able to function that way. Right. And unfortunately, I hadn't taught Karen the administrative aspects of the business. So I found a training opportunity at our local corners office and then went through that and then got interned and then completed their training program and then got hired part time and then full time. That's how that got started. But I'll let her tell how she got started uh, with me and with the with the uh, death investigation training. Yeah, Karen's no slouch. You've got a pretty impressive background too. So uh, tell me a little bit, Karen, how you got into uh, doing what you're doing. And he just came home one day and he thought I would be good at it as well. And he thought I'd be interested in it. So I told him no. And he convinced me to at least go through the program. And and I did. and And I did enjoy it. Yeah. So then in 2008, when I left the coroner's office, uh, I went back to private and she joined me back in the private and we focused 
primarily on, on death investigation, serious bodily injury, you know, personal injury, negligence, and, and uh, civil and criminal cases, expert consultations, and family. So that's what we do. What is uh, me- medico? Uh, uh, I'm stepping on my words here. <laughs> <laughs> Medicological death investigator. Yeah. What does that medical mean? Legal. <laughs> medical legal. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Blah. That's the joining of medical and legal, but it's a non-medical investigative, but it uses the science of medicine. Okay. So that's basically a death investigator. So it's a it's it's like a forensic investigator, which we also do, but it's specifically focused on death or cases involving a death with that. So when you see medical legal, you're mostly seeing about coroners, deputy coroners, medical examiners, and things like that. Right. And then, and all the investigative that goes with it. So we're the, we're the guide and gal <laughs> right. um, that report to the forensic pathologists where their eyes and ears is how that works out. So a medical legal death investigation is just a, you can think of it as a forensic death investigator. Okay. Okay. So, and, and it essentially, it's, I guess you're saying like, hey, I'm not a doctor, but I have enough experience in doing this type of work. And, and you know, because of my background of where I came from, I have the authority to, to talk about this stuff, right? But I'm not actually a medical doctor, right? And, am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, that's pretty close. There's things that we do in our investigative component, but we don't overlap into the medical component. We have our experts as well that help us with that part. Right. And then we're able to join them together. And we did all this at the coroner's office. That's where we learned the concept at. Right. Uh, and then that's how we're able to better serve our clients is by bringing them that, that type of expertise to the, to the table. Okay. So before we jump into all that, and we're, we're certainly going to get to it, I, I want to just first commend you guys for, I guess, your service to all the different associations that are out there. Uh, you, you guys are highly involved in the industry. And uh, not only are you uh, members of associations, you've served on boards. Karen, you you have a, a whole little, I guess, uh, from what I'm seeing here, like a side business, uh, essentially, of, of uh, association management. Can you tell me a little bit about that, what, the, what that is? Well, for um, the World Association of Detectives, I am the the administrative manager. So I I do basically all of the well, all the administrative work right. and help with um, new members and just help run the association. Right. And then for the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, I am the uh, executive director for that association. Right. And then for now, you, you do uh, education committee stuff as well, right? Well, we were on the committee for that. Right. Yeah. We, yeah, we've been on the committee for that. That's, I think, pretty much resolved now with uh, the chair having completed all the course criteria, pre, you know, with Nally. So, right. Yeah, we've been involved with that uh, in CDITC and a few others. Yeah. Right. And Dean, you're, you're actually a certified legal investigator too, right? Through, yeah, and that's through the National Association of Legal Investigators, NALI, right. which I know you're a member of. And, and, yes. and by the way, you know, you, I know you offered us our kudos, but, and I know our listeners probably know, but, you know, you're pretty heavily involved yourself, you know, with the associations. I won't let the cat out of the bag on one of them. Yeah. But, <laughs> hush, hush, buddy. <laughs> um, that'll, be, that'll be coming up. Um, but, and Aldonis, you know, and stuff yeah. like that. So, yeah. no, it, it um, yeah, it's, it's, we appreciate doing that. And I know you understand it. We just think it's important to the profession that people be involved more than just having their membership, yeah. you know, dues collected. I think one of the things that really impressed me when I first met you guys, um, and, and I think I met Karen first, uh, just through the administrative side of joining the associations. 
But, you know, going to a board meeting, and it, it, this was NCISS, and I, what I thought was really cool was that I could go and sit in on the board and not actually be, you know, on the board. Like, they, they allowed me to sit in and, and just check it out. Just the passion that you guys have for these issues, right? And 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 for our commit, you know, our, our whole um, community, right? And making sure that um, throughout the country that we're represented in, and protected in a, in a way. So, it, it's... It was one of the things I noticed. I was like, "Wow, this husband-wife team! Like these guys are no nonsense. <laughs> like they're really, uh, <laughs> really taking care of business." Well, and what you see is what you get. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 definitely true. And but it's it's setting good examples, right? So the impression it was making on me as as a new jack coming there, I was like, "Wow, this is something I would want to get involved in because I see." the passion and, and listen, there's passion on both sides on those discussions. Right. I'm being in that room there and, oh, yes. and there are people yeah. that, that, you know, they, people don't always agree, right. You get 16 people in a, in a, in a room having a discussion and all of them are business owners. It can be difficult sometimes. right? Yeah, we're, we're all stakeholders and it's important. Yeah. And I, you know, I remember those meetings you sat in when we first met and uh, we invite our members to come in and do the very same neat thing you did. Yeah. The members of all the associations can do that. You may not be able to be as interactive at the board, issues but you can certainly be there in the meeting and particularly in the one that you attended we specifically wanted you to be interactive in that because of the background that you had coming in yeah and the interest you had express, expressed in being part of the future board. So yeah, we appreciate that. Yeah. It was hard for me to like, I'm sitting on my hands going, all right, sit down, dummy. This isn't about you. <laughs> you know, but I'm just like raising my hand. Can I say something please? <laughs> Yeah, we appreciate that passion. Uh, yeah, it's like sometimes it gets me in trouble, though, especially in my own association. It's got me in a lot of trouble, but hey, whatever. It's all good. Seriously, it's it's so cool. And you guys also do training, right? You have a um, uh, some programs which you've you've had for for a while now. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, Karen doesn't get involved in the speaking like I did, even though she's the one that encouraged me to do it. Um, so, you know, we've don't travel as much now, obviously, right. but you know, we did develop training programs for speaking engagements for conferences and training and associations. And then in 2012, we developed a website and put three or five courses on their basic courses that everybody can use ethics and things like that. Right. And we honestly really didn't do a lot with it, but it had been asked with uh, a couple other training groups to revamp some of those trainings that we have and we share with them. And so we've spent the time this year to start really boosting that up and getting things out there. Right. Uh, so we're pretty excited about that. We just really need to give people things that they can use as tools, just like you are, you have your, uh, your toolbox. Yep. And um, you know, so yeah, it's important. Yeah, I think it's it's really important for folks of us that have been in the industry for a while to give back and make sure that those coming up behind us know how to do things or learn how to do things and 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 have that same standard that they hold themselves to, right? This is the proper way to do things. This is how you do this type of work. It's really really important because you know, you want the quality of the work being done to to remain at a certain level. Um and and by not having this teaching and this oversight um, or, or mentoring or things like that, it definitely, you know, can fall by the wayside. It's, it's, it's definitely a problem. Oh, definitely. And when I started, there really wasn't any, Right. Uh, you had to, de- you know, develop your own and being involved with NCISS in particular and NALI to a large degree with their legislative group, I'm on the legislative committee there. We really have to have consistency, professional consistency across the board. And I know our state associations, you're familiar with Aldonis and we yeah. have PPIC and 
and stuff. We really expect that of members and the members expect that of each other. That's what's really important. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys uh, out in Colorado, I mean, you, you have your meetings like twice a year where you do training and everything, right? I mean, that's, uh, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. PPIAC has been very involved with training. Right. Right. Yeah. We had uh, Rod, Rod Gagnon on uh, a couple of months ago and he was uh, talking about, uh, I guess, the teaching and stuff he does with the uh, the financial stuff is very interesting. Uh, very, very, yeah, Rod's uh, a great guy. Yeah. He's a good um, dude. Yeah. Yeah. So um, b- before we take a break here, I, I just, I know I got to ask is probably on everybody's mind here. How do you guys like uh, treat work and, and personal life and separating that? Like, do you talk about cases over dinner or is it like, okay, we're not going to talk about this anymore. Like, how does that look like? How does that work? Well, usually when we get a case, we separate, you know, we'll, we just get the information and then he reads it and I read it. And then we come together and discuss it. Because right. sometimes, you know, we have different ideas or sure, sure. so that's how it works. So, so that, that, that translates to, you know, Karen's correct and, and Dean is not. And, <laughs> well, well, wow, you are really intelligent. That is very true. It's a fly on <laughs> the wall, right? <laughs> so, right. So, so here's, here's the thing. A lot of people know me from seeing me a lot more than because Karen doesn't really get in the foreground of things. Sure. And that's not intentional. That's just more of a comfort level because so involved in the background. Yeah. In all honesty, there's been many, many cases that the intuition and the, and the attention to detail have been so key to it. I wish I could go through all of those in our training courses. I mentioned them frequently because it's really important to understand not just the different perspective, but yeah, that does mean that she's right more often. I'll admit that. But it is important. But she also she doesn't let let that overshadow the way things are. So sure. you know, and that that's a good thing. But our dinner conversations at restaurants tend to excite the people around us. <laughs> I'm sure they do. Uh, you know. <laughs> They're like, here comes Doctor Doom and Gloom <laughs> and his spouse. Here we go. That's no, uh, pretty important. <laughs> so we have a great teamwork. Yeah. So I, I uh, I've had the pleasure of meeting Michael Baden a few times. He's you know the coroner from New York. Uh, you know through the Society of Professional Investigators, and uh, right. always an interesting conversation <laughs> to have with a guy. Um, it, it's just uh, you know the, the things that folks see when they do these types of investigations, and and I picked his brain. When, you know the first time I met him was probably about. I don't know, 12 years ago. And he was speaking at some event and I was like, Hey, I do a lot of photography of, of uh, remains on nursing home cases. Like it's frequently, I have to go to a morgue and photograph and I'm, I want to make sure I'm doing it correctly. Can you give me some pointers? And he's like, Hey, I'm on my way to my next appointment. I got to walk 10 blocks, walk with me. So I literally left the event that I was at and walked with the guy for 10 blocks, There you, go. you yeah. know? And I'm like, I'm not missing this opportunity. This is Michael Baden. Like, this is crazy. Right. You know, I had watched the HBO series when I was younger, you know, the Medgar Evans, sure. the whole big thing. And now I see him frequently at events and I'm like, Oh, Hey, cool. There, there he is. Right. So we are going to dig into the topic at hand here. I wanted to talk about death investigations, but we're going to take a break real quick. Um, so everybody sit tight and we will be right back. Are you using a case management system? The answer is no. You should really rethink that process. All right. So as you guys know, Crosstracks has been an amazing sponsor of the show. They've just been uh, really supportive. As you guys also know, I didn't used to have a case management system. I was uh, the investigator that was fighting them tooth and nail. I finally decided to give it a whirl. And what a great decision, right? 
during the COVID shutdown, I was able to actually roll my whole business into it and get completely up and running. My clients love it. I mean, just today, I got a, a phone call from a client of mine who just couldn't believe how easy it was to access everything and uh, how invoices were there. He actually asked me to go back and upload all my prior cases and put it into Crosstracks. I've been doing business with that firm for, I don't know, about eight years, so uh, it's a lot of cases. If you don't use a case management system, you should, right? You should check it out. Give Crosstracks a shot. Contact Brad or one of the teammates over there and they'll get you up and running with a trial and see if it's for you. If you have used Crosstracks and it's been a while and uh, you're not happy with the system that you're in, go check them out. They're doing a lot of really cool new things. See if it's right for you. If you're unhappy with the system that you're in right now, contact them. The ability for them to roll your system into their system is very easy. Again, you guys know they've been sponsoring this program and I can't say uh, enough good things about them, but make your own decision. Give it a shot on your own and see if it's right for you. Did you get the latest issue of PI Magazine? Make sure you visit PIMagazine.com if you don't subscribe already. Check out Matt's column on Podcasting 101 and PI Perspectives. Delft Point keeps on advancing. The commonality search is here. The new data is unlike anything they currently offer and will go in depth in your target's assets and relationships. Use them on everything from jury research and associate connections to business investigations and fraud cases. You don't want to miss these. Visit DelvePoint.com for more details. Sign up and use code PIP20 for additional savings. Have you signed up for the Investigator's Toolbox yet? What are you waiting for? Don't miss out. The legacy discount is ending very soon and you'll miss a great opportunity. Are you serious about growing your business and increasing your knowledge base? Register today at www.investigators-toolbox.com. Use code PIP201836 and save an extra 15 bucks. What do you do when you get calls for bug sweeps? Did you know usabugsweeps.com, the number one TSCM provider in the country, pays you a 20% commission? For converted sales leads? Stop turning money away. USABugsweeps.com uses top-rated technology and they cover all of the United States. So save time and make money today. Contact USABugsweeps.com and mention PIP20. And welcome everybody back to PI Perspectives. This is your host, Matt Spare. So today I've got uh, Dean and Karen Beers, and uh, they're talking to us from Colorado today. And they have a website called deathcasereview.com, and uh, we're going to talk about death cases. So uh, Karen and Dean, welcome back to the program. Yeah, thanks a lot. We're glad to be here. How do you get started, right? What happens when you get that phone call uh, with a case coming? So walk me through that. Well, so we, we usually get a referral from other investigators or a couple of the national autopsy places where the, the case just isn't for doing a second autopsy. So we appreciate those, but we'll get the intake uh, from that, talk to the family. We need to, we need to get a little information from them first because part of the issue that comes with families and, and we never understand what they're going through. And that's so important for people to, to grasp. Right. You know, even in our corners work and giving death notifications and, and seeing what happens to people when you do that? We're never going to understand the position they find themselves. Sure, but we need to understand what happened, and we need to understand a little more about about their concerns. But unfortunately, sometimes 
And again, because we don't understand where they're at uh, and we don't pretend to, they're more emotionally attached to the situation. So we have to kind of weed out the, the facts from the emotion, just like anything else. Sure. Uh, so they often have very legitimate concerns with most typically we hear about a suicide, for example, uh, that they feel might have been a homicide, a few cases, maybe an accident right. or something suspicious about. Well, we have a good one that I'll let Karen tell a little bit more about. Actually, they had nothing to do with suicide or anything. Well, it did with, with an airline pilot. But um, so once we get through that, we explain to them what we're able to do. And then we get all the records, reports and photographs from the investigating agencies, which is usually the coroner, medical examiner and the law enforcement. And then, like Karen said earlier, we separate those and she takes her her file. I take mine. We review them and then we get back together and we talk about them uh, and, and see where we're at and who picked up what different types of details and things like that. Usually I get the call screening because, I'm frankly, I'm extension one on our phone system. <laughs> and they, so I usually know a little more about the emotional aspects which can be important to understanding. Oh, There's sure. a lot of information in that. I mean, you're an investigator. Our listeners are investigators. So that's where that goes at. But every once in a while, we get cases involving insurance. We have our standard legal investigative cases, you know, personal injuries, wrongful deaths. But we had a really interesting one uh, involving an airline pilot and a life insurance beneficiary, which the question wasn't suicide or accident. It was Initially, I thought it could be a suicide because of the type of injury, but then it became under the insurance policy, he had been drinking. So was he intoxicated? Right. And then the insurance policy didn't pay at all if he was. And through some work and some details that she noted, we, we were able to determine that whether he was intoxic drinking or not, he wasn't intoxicated, not only by the laboratory test, but by the actions that he was doing. Uh, he was, he, the house was thoroughly cleaned. He had actually left a vacuum cleaner out, was cleaning the dishes, which is actually what happened. He was cleaning and broke a butter dish and reached into the sink for it and it cut his wrist mm. and he bled out literally all over the bottom of the house. Wow. Um, so there was a lot of details that she noticed in that, uh, such as, you know, the dishes, the spit, you know, that it was in a state of being cleaned and not just ordinarily clean, but like it was actively being cleaned and picked up through, I don't know, 300 some photographs. So we made a lot of different determinations that turned into a multi-million dollar life insurance beneficiary for the widow. Wow. Um, so that was one. And then we had one that actually just concluded last week uh, that you'll hear about separately when we get a little more information, but it's been going on for a decade. Wow. And it was our first expert case involving litigation. Uh, where a police officer in Phoenix was shot and killed and it was ruled a suicide. And the widow had had to sue multiple times to get her different benefits. And she just got her final federal law enforcement survivor's benefit. We worked with other investigators on that. None of these are ever by ourselves, really. Right. Uh, they might be for families, but when they're involving litigation, everybody knows how that works. There's teams involved. But what memories do you have of things, cases we've done? Well, the pilot case was pretty interesting. And, you know, the fact that they were saying he was intoxicated, um, there was not even a glass of alcohol on the counter or anything. It was the, the place was clean. Right. But what we found out later was 
that he actually was terrified of the sight of blood. So basically when this, this dish cut his artery in his, within the palm of his hand, it went up through the palm of his hand and he started bleeding. He panicked, which of course, you know, made the, made him bleed out quicker. Right. An interesting case. Yeah, that is very interesting. So I I take it you guys then, you do cases all over the country then, right? Right. And uh, I I would assume there's there's a need for boots on the ground uh, on some cases too, right? Or do you actually get up and, I mean, now it's hard to travel, but back before (laughs) pre-COVID, I mean, were you actually going to places? No, basically we get all of the the files, the police reports, the coroner's uh, report, any photos, and then we, we like put the case together from start to finish with all of the information that we get. From time to time, if it's involving litigation, which is, those are the ones I do exclusively in the expert consultations, those will often have either referrals from other investigators or we need to have other investigators. So in those cases, we often do have investigators that are doing uh, a lot of that component uh, for the, usually as part of the legal team. So it's always good to work with them too. But when it comes to, particularly the family cases, the insurance benefit cases and those types of things. It's, it's a joint thing between us that we do together here. Yeah. I, I got to think dealing with the families has got to be really difficult, right? Because th- 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 there is that cloud there, right? They're expecting you to find something that's going to vindicate the way they feel about something. And that's not always the case, right? Correct. We don't have a dog in the fight, so we're right. neutral. Right. And you know, they're invested with their every emotion you can imagine. And understandably so, but we have to step back and and do it factually and not emotionally. Oftentimes when we have an intake call, we, well, all the time we explain that to them and they oftentimes express their understanding. Um, Our contract's actually pretty clear. We've been threatened to be sued because we didn't contact NSA to get a satellite image over (laughs) certain events or... You know, and, and we're, you dude, know, my, my company is called satellite. You know how many phone calls I get know, with yeah, that? As a matter of fact, your sub company is called satellite investigations. I get it all That's the right. time, man. Uh, so yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And you're in New York. So that just makes it all the better. <laughs> Even worse. Um, but, and, and, you know, we, like I mentioned, I mean, we can't understand how they feel, but and it's, we, we really, what we, one of the many things we learned at the coroner's office was, it's so important to let the family know that it's okay for them to feel that way. Right. However it is they're feeling, it doesn't matter, but we still have to impart the facts. And part of the problem that families have is they don't feel like they're getting that. We had four calls this week where, where people have died in the last two weeks. Uh, one today. Uh, uh, well, I guess this is Monday. So, okay. Three last week and one today, Right. but they, they feel like they're being neglected and ignored and so we, we don't take those cases because there's nothing for us to do yet. Right. We just got called back on, on one today, the one today that took place, I think, in January. And they're they're finally comfortable again going forward. No matter how much they say, we understand, you know, like Karen said, we don't have a dog in the fight. They really want us to, to give them the information they expect. To be honest with you, nine times out of 10, it is what it is. Right. It's just sometimes there's a misunderstanding. The only cases we hear about are those that were bad because if they're really good investigations, typically the family ends up being okay with the conclusions. Sure. But if the investigations aren't good, 
or they've watched too much CSI in all honesty. Right. Then those are the cases we hear about. We have to get them past all that. And sometimes it's just a matter of finding new evidence that helps them support that. Well, Karen had one in a photograph where she found the evidence uh, to help the family better understand that the person they wanted was not a serial killer. You know, we've had those. So, you know, we take it as sometimes we're saving people from being wrongfully charged as much as we're saving people from being wrongfully convicted. Oh yeah. I mean, listen, the, the, the facts are the facts, right? You got to be able to analyze it and keep an open mind, right? Right. Well, part of the issue is communication. If they, if the family, if they feel they are not being contacted properly by the coroner or, or the police officer or whoever it is they need to be in contact with that frustrates them. Yeah. Now, a lot of coroners, a lot of uh, medical examiners or coroner's offices, they, they may have an investigator do one thing. Somebody else writes a report. Somebody else is the diener for the autopsy. Somebody else, you know, um, goes and gets the body with our training, we had to do it all. We stayed with the body right. from start to finish. They, yeah. they knew the contact. Yeah. I mean, I, I can relate to that, right? One of the frustrating things that I deal with, and, and not only just dealing with, with the, the regular community, but dealing with attorneys, right? Where they ask you to do something or, or liaison with law enforcement on a huge case, like a death case. And, and they're like, you know, this is so important. This is, you know, like I need this information right away. Why is it not done yet? It's like, hey, this is New York City. Like, you know how many people die every day? <laughs> you know, it's like, it's right. not it's not the most important thing to that particular investigator uh, for the for law enforcement. You know, it's mm-hmm. not as urgent for them as it is for you. They're going to do it. And they're going to do it properly, but they're going to do it at their own time. And me calling them up and saying, hey, where's this case? Where's this case? Where's this case? Is only going to make it worse. Right. I had to have that tough conversation with one of my clients recently because they couldn't understand. And, you know, and the environment today now with law enforcement too, politically what's going on, and we're not even going to jump into all that, but just on, on a side note, it doesn't, they're not motivated right now to do above and beyond, you know, and, and that it's, it's unfortunate, yeah, right. you know, it's unfortunate, exactly. but it's, it's the world that we live right. in here. And just being able to have that conversation with, with my attorney, like, Hey, you got to chill out a little bit. It happens. And it, and, you know, it's the same thing with, with the families here, right? This is the most horrific thing that you could think of has just happened to them. And is it is their mm-hmm. world right now. It is the most important thing to yeah. them right now. The investigator that's investigating it, yes, he's got a vested interest in doing the work or she's got a vested interest in doing the work that needs to be done, but they're not going to drop everything, right? They, they, they have to do their family life and do everything else too, yeah. you know, and they need to understand that. And I guess maybe having you as the bridge to help them understand that, at least somebody's telling them something, right? As opposed to nothing, right? I can see the real need for that. Some places, you know, their caseload is, is huge. And right. so it is very it's hard to uh, give one case precedence over another too. Right. So it, it's catch 22. Yeah. I mean, it happens all the time, right? The cases will be closed when they're closed. You can't force anybody to do right. something. And when you start forcing that's well, that's when mistakes are made a and B exactly. that's when you start pissing people off and that's never good either. Right. <laughs> no. Nope. And on that note, we actually have to have that conversation with families Two two parts to that. One is once you retain us or are thinking about it, don't keep harassing the agencies because they will shut down on you and then us. Yeah. And the other is once you do give us the case, don't tell them that you have somebody that's going to show them how to do it. Or, or whatever. <laughs> They're talking about Karen, right? Happens, They're obviously talking yeah, about Karen, yeah. not about you. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
you know, yeah, we have to be very honest in our conversations. Um, and we think that benefits them a lot when we do that. Right. Yeah. It's uh it's, it's a tough call. You know, those, those are always, uh, you know, frustrating conversations to have and it's, you know, but it's necessary. You have to do it right. You got to, got to keep people um, on, on the right track because it, it could muddy things up. And I know like when you start talking about fatalities and criminality involved in it, well, now there's the DA's office is involved and they're not going to give you any information because they don't want to screw the case up. They don't want that vindictive justice of the family going out and yeah. murdering the person that they're building a case against. Right. Uh, that's always something you got to be careful of too. Right. Uh, Absolutely. And, We've consulted with some law enforcement agencies, some prosecuting agencies where, of course, you know, they give us that information. We did do one for a family where law enforcement agreed and the, and the prosecutor to give us the information. But unfortunately for the family, we had to sign the confidentiality and said we wouldn't tell them anything from the case. Yeah. The family agreed. But then when it came time to tell them what, what our report was going to be, that and including the things that we couldn't tell them, they became upset. Right. And, but the fact is it helped in the prosecution of the case. Right. Um, so yeah, it, it can go all kinds of different routes. Sure. Well, like with everything, you have to set boundaries. And um, when we first come back into the private sector, I had to tell Dean he needed to set boundaries because people would call and they just want to tell their story. Oh, they, yeah. they really wouldn't have a case, but yeah. they want to talk. He spent hours and hours Can't and hours that. and I'd be like, Really? got to cut it off. That, that's Tapping me on the shoulder. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <Tap out. laughs> you know, I find that with the matrimonial cases, right? When, when somebody hires you to do matrimonial and you, and you find it, you know, an answer they don't want to hear. And now all of a sudden you're becoming their therapist and it's like, stop, right. stop calling me, please go get professional help. <laughs> like I'm, I'm not <laughs> yes. a doctor. Yeah, um, exactly. So tell me like some of the challenges that you see now with COVID um, and, and dealing with that uh, going forward here with your business model. Obviously we can't travel. So there are some challenges there. What are some of the other challenges that you've seen and you've overcome and, and what do you think uh, going forward for the next year that we're looking at? Well, that's an interesting question. Uh, we see it, we get it sometimes, but we see it a lot with other people. We have a, we kind of have a hard time helping people completely with, with dealing with the concept of it, because frankly, for us, we didn't know for three or four days, something was going on because we actually don't watch the news. We don't even have TV, standard TV. God bless you. Um, listen to the radio. Yeah. Uh, so we, you know, we'll search our news, but, and we knew stuff was happening, right. but we didn't know that the governor had signed an emergency order, that the president signed an emergency order. We didn't know rest. We knew on my dad's birthday, March 14th, that restaurants were going to probably start self shutting down. But we didn't know that the following week when our grandkids came over for their spring break, that they went from a week to two weeks of spring break and restaurants were closed and businesses were closed. We were still working. Right. And because in 2012, we sold our house and bought an RV and traveled around the country. So everything we did has always been based on being remote anyhow. Right. Frankly, in a way, this helped better because, for example, Zoom that we're doing now is something that helped us out. But we have helped other investigators uh, cope with some of these issues because they weren't really prepared for it. Karen's administrative work for the associations is nothing but remote. Two things slowed down for me a lot was obviously my travel. I used to travel a lot uh, and teach and, and stuff. All of it, obviously, our conference meetings, our association meetings have, in person have stopped. Right. Our, our legal investigation, the attorneys still are waiting. I mean, they don't get hardly any clients yet. 
Right. Uh, some of them, because in Colorado, they've held off the civil trials until the beginning of the year. They're not even taking filings. Yeah. So yep. we don't even have that to deal with. But on the other hand, our family cases and our criminal defense cases have picked up. We, yeah, we just adapted right over to it. We, we didn't have it. So we've, we've helped. We've developed some articles and stuff to help people cope with that. We developed a, a free training video that to help people cope with that. Sure. For next year, for the outlook for next year, uh, I mean, actually, it's not even looking good right now. They've already started canceling events for next year. You know, our National Western Stock Show, it's one of the largest events in Colorado, is already canceled for January. They're already looking at February and March for cancellations. I personally think it's extremely premature, Yeah. among other things. I think that people are going to have to become more accustomed to dealing with their clients remotely. And in a way, that's a huge time and expense savings. Big time. Um, yep. And uh, we, had, we had a family meeting, right, with Zoom uh, after a case. That was the first one we had which was actually pretty helpful because I could share the screen and show certain things non-graphic. It'll be interesting to see if we get any cases that have the COVID on the death certificate Yeah, that we have not seen at this point, but yeah, we, it'll be interesting. We haven't seen that yet. We expect to see more suicides questioned, which we already are actually. Yep. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see how interesting it is because one of the things we have a lot of is dealing with the death certificate issue and our forensic pathologist obviously deals with those. So we're able to take consultations if people have that or insurance benefit questions, uh, right. which we think is going to come up. So we think for the investigative community as a whole, you know, in general, and I know you've seen it, is going to take a different turn in 2021, but I think it'll be positive. Yeah, I, I think those who, who can survive the storm, those who have pivoted are, are very beneficial. I know on my end in New York, you know, I've seen some investigation companies just fold and yeah. that's, that's resulted in more work for me. Um, yeah. And I, I hate to see them, them go, but you know, th th those were the folks that weren't really in it anyways. Right. So there wasn't a really a full-time gig for them. I think, you know, um, for me, it's a full-time gig. So <laughs> like, there's no yeah, way yeah, I was going out of business. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. always been for yeah. us. It's always been the way, you know, it's been our yeah. breadwinner Yeah, and, Colorado lost its licensing effective right. yep. September 1st. So not only did we see a loss during this event, but we we knew that we would lose it when that when that bill got vetoed because people, they're just not going to be able to survive yeah. in a business sense, which was my reason for going to the quarters office because I couldn't survive in a business sense from my motor, motor vehicle collision. Uh, I had to make that decision. Right. So, which changed my life in some very positive ways. So, yeah, we've, we've adapted pretty well to a lot of different things. Yeah, I mean, that, that's kind yeah. of what happens, right? The folks that adapt or are able to change are the ones that are talking about it. The folks exactly. that can't do it are gone by the wayside. Our eyebrows were really raised when the CDC came out with the new way of coding and their wording. Right. Since we have actually dealt with death certificates and know the procedure. So we kind of um, had a real problem with that. They revised their coding procedure and how they want them reported, which had never happened before. Right. And forensic pathologists that I'm a member of started wondering what was going on with that. And uh, at a later point, the CDC revised it and went back to the way it should be reported. But unfortunately, state health departments are still reporting the way CDC used to want it reported. Yeah. And that's actually become quite a bit of a big problem. Oh, New York knows all about that. 
Yes, they do. Oh, we know. Yes. You know Many all states. about that here. Yeah. Many states. Yeah. Including our own state. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, but those things are important. But on that death certificate note, honestly, uh, people don't realize one of the things we do, if I can real quick, Matt. Yeah, sure. And this comes from the coroner's office. This understanding was, you know, not only is death a very serious issue and we take it very seriously, there is more humor, but when, it, when a person's death certificate is presented, it's a final statement of the life they led in the sense that if they committed suicide and there's an insurance policy out there, maybe it won't pay, maybe it will. I had a case, the guy killed himself the day after his insurance policy would have been good so that his family would get benefits. That airline pilot one we mentioned, a uh, multi-million dollar because we were able to show that he was not intoxicated as the life insurance policy defined. He had had some drinks, but not that. And the police officer, uh, you know, multiple insurance benefits sure. uh, and pension benefits and survivor benefits for that. But there's a stigma that goes with that. It's like a wrongful conviction. If somebody's death certificate is wrong, that's a wrongful conviction. And if we can help change that by the facts and evidence, not only does it remove that stigma from that person's end of life statement, but it may benefit the family for, for insurance prop purposes. Sure. And we don't have a dog in the fight. We don't no. care if they get insurance yeah. benefits or not. Say they died of some sort of event involving a natural death. Well, come to find out it was actually an accident and their life insurance is double indemnity. We've had a couple of those over the years that have been uh, made significant differences because of the policy. So what we do is sort of, and I do expert criminal offense, but Karen helps on the wrongful convictions quite a bit. It's the same thing with, with the death certificate cases. If we're able to correct that, so to speak, wrongful conviction on their death certificate. Yeah, that is just fascinating. Obviously, you guys do get a lot of referrals from other investigators. Um, this is kind of your wheelhouse and your expertise. So how, do, how does the investigator get in touch with you? And, and when should they think in their mind, like, yeah, I should call these Beers people in uh, in Colorado and rope them in. Like, when's a good time to do that, and how do they get? Sure. Older? And this isn't to sell ourselves. This is this is actually the way it should be. Mm-hmm. Is call us first, find out how we feel about the case, and and we might be able to give you give advice on where to go with it. Right. Before we get involved, because too often investigators are putting the cart before the horse, and either the attorney or the family be, gets upset. It's like, well, wait a minute, you went out to prove my homicide. And now you're telling me to go hire these experts to prove the homicide. I thought you were doing that. And then we come back and tell them, well, it wasn't a homicide after all. And $10,000 later on your investigator, (laughs) uh, you know, and it's true. It's happened many, many, many times. And that's not including the families that that aren't convinced and keep hiring more and more people. If you hire us for a case, say Matt calls us up and says, we got this case. It involves whatever it is, criminal, civil, insurance policy, family death, whatever. So, what should I do? So we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll get some direction. And let's just say that we usually will say, well, we need to look at the case as a whole first so that we can tell you if anything was wrong, not just with the case itself and the decision, but also the things that you need to go look for doing your boots on the ground thing. So you'll go out there. Now we give you all our recommendations and you go do the boots on the ground thing and you come back and you look like a star to your client because you've covered all these bases you would have never thought of. Right. Yeah. That's, so that's a point. you can reach us by phone is 970-480-7793. And you can reach our email associates 
at deathcasereview.com and that reaches both of us. Okay, perfect. Great. So guys, I really, really appreciate you joining uh, the show today. Uh, this was very cool. I think the tag team thing actually worked. Uh, I was a little nervous about that, but uh, I thought it was really, really cool. Um, thank you so much. And again, thank you for everything that you, you guys do in the industry. And thank you for all the stuff that you did during COVID uh, to make sure that, um, you know, folks knew uh, how to react and, uh, you know, how to deal and cope with these things. I really appreciate it. Yeah, a lot of teamwork, uh, people coming together for that to help each other out. That was fantastic to absolutely. see. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, great. Thanks for having us. I appreciate it. So, thank you, everybody, for uh, checking the show out. We'll catch you on the next show. I think we're doing a quick hits again this Thursday, finishing up our osmosis features, and then we'll be back with a regular show on Monday. So, thanks again, everybody, for tuning in, and have a great week. Thanks to Karen and Dean for dropping in today. Can you believe the case about the airline pilot that had an incorrect debt certificate? It's really admirable how this duo goes out of their way to find the truth. We also want to thank Crosstracks, Delft Point, and USABugSweeps.com for sponsoring the show. Have you checked out InvestigatorsToolbox.com yet? Remember, it only takes 41 cents a day to unlock the future of investigations. Make an investment in your business and yourself today. The 25% legacy discount won't last long. Use code PIP201836 to save more. Catch Matt teaching about InvestigatorsToolbox.com at the Cybercraft Summit on October 1st and 2nd. You can register free at CybercraftSummit.com. If you have a question or comment about the show, email Matt at MatthewS at SatellitePI.com. You can also find him on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. We want your feedback to bring you the best shows possible. Now, our next show is a quick hit segment with Chris Poulter. Chris joins Matt to talk about his role at the Osmosis Conference this year. Check it out this Thursday. We'll be back next Monday with a new show. Make sure you tune in. Now stay safe out there, everyone.